And now it is time for us to hear the word of the Lord. I know you are all expectant wherever you are. And to bring the word of the Lord today is none other than the founder of Faith Evangelistic Ministry, one that you love. Please celebrate her as she comes to bring the word of a living God. Well, we want to thank God for this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we celebrate the grace of God and the goodness and the mercies of God. We continue to miss the fellowship and the altar. Paul says we should not neglect the fellowship of the brethren. So we miss the fellowship of being together. We miss our Sunday school kids. And the fellowship of the children. The parents, the fathers, and the mothers in the church. The young people, the young adults, every one of you. We miss to see the dawn dancing and worshiping God. Femme family, you are one of the greatest families on the face of the earth. You are just amazing, you are beautiful, you are great. Receive my love and my greetings. I treasure every one of you. I make mention of you before my Father in heaven. Every single day. And it's my prayer that God will keep us safe in his hand. So that when the house of worship open again, and when this coronavirus will be behind us, the epidemic, we shall all be celebrating the grace and the goodness of God. I want to appreciate the ministerial team. Today I'm blessed to have a couple of them in the service. I want to appreciate the technical team for the great job you have been doing. The services every Sunday and the in the Sunday school. We appreciate you. I appreciate uh, our interpreter, Vincent. Thank you very much for standing beside me for so many years. Fem family, you are an amazing family. Even in difficult times, during the hardest times, in crisis, you are still faithful in tithing and in giving. The house of God has not lacked anything good. The construction is going on. I thank God for you and I appreciate and may every seed that you sow in the kingdom of God testify for you and your families. Even in days to come. Thank you all our internationals, those who are joining us from every nation. We appreciate you and we thank you for your love and your support. And thank you our ministers for bringing 
such word of an exhortation and encouragement during these tough times. We know that indeed in days to come, we shall be dealing with broken people, hurting people. We are greatly honored to have great scholars like Dr. Anne Wambogo, who is a scholar and she has done, she holds a PhD in family therapy. You are one of the main people that this nation will need, even our government in days to come. Children are hurting. Parents are hurting. A woman takes four kids and struggles them and kills them. And she's standing like nothing happened. How much would you be needed in days to come to teach and the knowledge that you have acquired in time? To share. I've also spoken to uh, Mr. Chapman in the UK. Who's done also mental illness, mental health. And we, I know we, you people need to team up together because we need help in the nation. We are in crisis. Even if we don't talk about it, we are in crisis. Even as Minister Peter has prayed this morning, we are seeing small counties having little girls, 10 to 14 year old children pregnant. Meaning we're going to have babies with babies. We know that the church is the answer to the question. And this is why the beginning of the year when I gave a prophecy for 2020, I, I remember I made mention that the church is the house of refuge. This is where help will come from. Not from a police station, but from a church. This is where people will be healed. So I'm sure, Pastor Anne, you're going to tie up with uh, Mr. Chapman. So you can start to do some training of uh, different uh, groups, even other people from other churches. And equip us and teach us how to deal with the crisis we are at. As families. Husbands are killing their wives. The wives are killing their husbands and their children. We are in chaos. Our help will come from God. Thank you. We appreciate you. We recognize the gifts in the house. Thank you, Pastor Kaunga. Thank you, Pastor Zachary. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Thank you, Pastor Sam.
Pastor. Thank you, Pastor Anne and the entire team. At least today I'm speaking to somebody that I can see eye to eye and not just looking at the, the handsome people behind the cameras. Today, Allow me to speak on a very interesting subject that the Lord has given me. I want to speak, uh, I know that we have had a theme for 2020. But right inside that theme, the Lord gave me a word. And the word that I'm going to speak about is based on wisdom. Wisdom. Hekima. The times that we are at, tulizomo, wisdom will stand out as a key principle. Hekima itainuka kama mojaba jambo la muhimu mno. Jesus speaking on just steward, Basi yesu tunzi, he said, hivi, the sons of this world are shrewd in their generation than the sons of the light. What did Jesus mean? The sons of this world, they are smart, they are cunning, and that's why the Bible says they are shrewd. The sons of this world take advantage of everything. Even in epidemic like this of coronavirus, the sons of this world will make it as a business. But because they are shrewd and cunning, God also has uh, something he wants to say to his children. God wants his children to be wise. Because wisdom will give them a match. When we look at wisdom, we know for sure that wisdom does not come from a Bible school or some studies. We know that wisdom comes from God. Wisdom cannot be acquired in any other way. And that's when Apostle Paul is talking and, and, and addressing the spiritual gifts in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. His first emphasis is on wisdom. The first thing Apostle Paul speaks about, he says to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. So wisdom comes by the spirit of God. Please take time and find time and study uh, the, the book of First Corinthians, the, the book of First Corinthians, the twelfth chapter, on the gifts of the spirit. The Bible is a book of wisdom. And I cannot uh, 
exhaust to speak on the word of wisdom from the Bible. And in that case, you just allow me to quote a few of the chapters. Proverbs chapter 9. I don't like giving the people the verse so that you can read the whole thing. But to be more precise, the 10th verse. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want wisdom, you've got to want God. You cannot separate God from wisdom. Neither wisdom from God. The next uh, chapter, the 10th chapter, the Bible says, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. And the Bible continues to say, wise people store knowledge. Not the next thing, but the mouth of foolish is near destruction. Proverbs, the second chapter. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. In other words, for those who stand upright with God. Standing right, upright. And that's why Brother James suggests if any one of you lack wisdom, if we lack wisdom, James says, let him ask God. Why? Because wisdom comes from God. So, NIV, James says, NIV, he who asks, God would generously Mungu kwa ukarimu, give to those who ask. We need to ask for wisdom in these end times. Today, I want to share the wealth Utajiri. of divine wisdom. Utajiri because of the times and the seasons we are at. Times have changed. Seasons have changed. Let the children of the wise also change with the seasons. So when the season change, we must change with the seasons. The children of the kingdom must be wise to change. And have understanding. Meaning we must change the way we think. We must change the way we look at things and life in general. 
mtazamo wetu wa maisha kiujumla we must change the way we do business because it is never business as usual here we are in crisis nations are on their knees people have lost jobs people don't have homes they cannot afford to pay rent may the children of the kingdom be wiser than the children of the world Apostle Paul to the Corinthians says Basi mtume Paulo kwa Colossians anasema Walk in wisdom Tembeheni katika hekima towards those who are outside Basi kuelekea walioko kule nje I was asking myself outside where Nikawa najiuliza je nje wapi Those of who are outside the household of faith kwamba wale walioko nje nyumba ya imani Redeeming time Tukiukomboa wakati Let your speech always be with grace Basi wateni maneno yenu yawe pamoja na nehema We have a hurting society Tuna jamii ambayo imejeruhiwa People are disappointed. You can look at the way people look at you. The way people are driving, the way people walk. It is not life as normal. So our speech must be graced and seasoned. So the Bible says seasoned with salt. Why salt? Because salt is a preservative. So when you speak, let your words be seasoned with salt so that you can preserve a life. And Paul continues to say that you may know how what you ought to say it each and every one. And in the second chapter he says in whom are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. And that's why he says Let no one deceive you With persuasive words Be wise, walk in the wisdom of God Paul is sending us a warning So that we may be able to understand the mystery of the gospel of the kingdom of God. But we have to know that wisdom is the key principle. In other words, wisdom gives us an ability to discern. Wisdom gives us an ability to judge right. Wisdom makes, helps us in making right decisions. And wisdom is a nina insight. Meaning that wisdom is a virtue that comes from God. So at every moment, in everything that we need to do in days to come, before we open our mouth, let's allow God to season our words. 
So the words that we utter will not bring injury and hurt to other people, but will bring healing to our hurting societies. Please allow me to say, wisdom is not common sense. Often I hear people say, use your common sense, although what they call common sense is never common. In other words, we should tell one another, use wisdom of God. Because wisdom is laid for the children of the kingdom of God. I saw a very interesting statement somewhere. That knowledge is a tool. But wisdom is the shaft which turns on tool. So it makes it turn around and work. There is no way you can talk about wisdom and not talk about King Solomon. Just as, as much as we know, there is no way you can talk about the tests and the trials in this world and not mention the story of Job. Let's look at the wisest man that ever lived on the face of the earth. Allow me to have a little time and talk about Solomon. Number one, to your attention, Solomon succeeded his father David. He took over the kingdom from his father. Solomon, number two, Solomon had a great beginning. He is a man who started with God. Though his end was not that great, neither good, his beginning was so great because he started with God. So Solomon, Solomon, uh, God chose him instead of his father. And he was a very young man. So number three, the first thing King Solomon did when he became king over Israel, he went to Gibeon and he, um, he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. The fourth thing he did, the fourth thing that happened, the Lord appeared to him through a dream that night. And he asked him, what shall I give you? Meaning God was very happy with the offerings and the sacrifice that he gave. I want you to understand right now the sacrifice that we offer unto God never go to the waste. But the what we offer unto God from our hearts will always testify before God and testify on our behalf. I know we have a beautiful altar here, but what testifies to, uh, to, uh, before our God 
on our behalf. It is not just the beautiful flowers that we put on the altar. But it is the sacrifice we offer to our God. The worship we offer to God. The giving that we offer to God from our heart. That is what attracts the heart of God. Our sacrifice. Our sacrifice. And that is why an altar testifies for somebody or against you. Make no mistake. This is not just an upper ground. This is marked for God and dedicated for God. So this altar would testify for us or against us. And that's why God was so impressed by King Solomon when he gave the sacrifice and immediately God responded. So the fifth thing and Solomon asked God for wisdom. Can you imagine when God asks you what, what you'd want to be given? It will be obvious somebody would want a sports car. A house maybe in one of the best neighborhoods. Somebody would want to own this and that. But look at the smartest man. Look at the most, the wisest man that ever lived. He asked God for wisdom. And understanding. That he, be, he might be able to judge God's people. And seeing that Solomon was very young, he looked over the kingdom at the age of 20s. He had an understanding that he needed the hand of God upon his life. And I want you to just go to the book of Kings, write it down because that's where I'm talking from. The third chapter. And that's why we see Solomon saying, Oh Lord my God, you have made your servant a king instead of my father David. I'm nothing much but a little child. I do not even know how to go out or come in. What do you see of Solomon here? He portrays an image that his dependence is totally on God and not on man. He's otherwise telling God, God, I'm not smart. Lead me and guide me to the paths of righteousness for your namesake. The sixth thing I want us to look at. God was so pleased with Solomon. And that's why 
Because he said, look at this young man. He's not asking for riches. He's not asked for wrong life for himself. He has not asked for the life of his enemies. But he has asked for wisdom. Understanding. Discernment. For justice sake. Let's look at the seventh thing. So God told him, Behold, I have done according to your words. In other words, I have given you according to the desire of your heart. I have given you wisdom, understanding of heart, and so there shall be none before you and after you. So the ninth thing, eighth thing, eight, God did not only grant uh, Solomon what he asked for. God also added some bonus. God promised him, I'll also give you riches and honor. People love honor and fame. But if it does not come from God, watch out. It is better to have riches and honor and fame that comes from God. Ah, may God help us. Let me not continue with that. The ninth thing I want us to see. So David, um, so, 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 so King Solomon was, was uh, like his own father David in some ways. So the, the one of the things that Solomon organized was Israel as a nation. He enlarged and expanded his government. government. And the Bible says he divided his nation into 12 districts. Remember that number 12 is very key in the history of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12, 12. Yeah. He also provided surprise so that the, his people's needs were met. He also established courts. The number 10 thing Remember that Solomon built the most beautiful temple in Jerusalem. It took him seven years to build. But remember his father, David, wanted to build the temple. But God forbidden him from building it. Because he had shed too much blood during the war. So David, God said, no, 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 uh, David, you're not going to do that. And that's why God 
ordained and set apart Solomon to build the temple. From the Bible, the temple of Solomon was the most expensive building ever mentioned in the Bible. This temple was not as big as our church. It was very small in size. But quality. The amount of gold that was invested in that temple, the silver and the wood, the cutting of the stones Experts came from everywhere. I don't have time to go more on the Solomon's temple, but you can study about it. The 11th thing, Solomon opened up trade for Israel and Israel prospered. And also don't you ever forget that he's an author, he's a writer. He's written the Proverbs. No wonder there's just a book of wisdom. He's also the, the author of the, of the songs of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. The 13th thing. Solomon became famous. Number one, because of his settlement, the way he's, he set his court. Very high standard. A standard that never existed before. Now we are seeing here the wisdom of God in Solomon. Number 14. His fame spread. And his wisdom was known. He was the most sorted king in the whole world. Leaders from everywhere traveled. The Bible says from far and wide to just go and see and seek the wisdom of Solomon. I see sometimes in many advertisements preachers are the most sorted preacher. But Solomon was the most sorted man because of his wisdom. People traveled from far and wide. In actual fact, uh, uh, the Queen of Sheba traveled from our neighboring country, Ethiopia. She traveled many miles to go and meet this wise king. But she had a hidden agenda because she had some questions. She wanted to test his wisdom. But she was shocked by the answers she received from the questions she was asking. That 50, the 50, number 15. I have to mention the dedication of the temple. It was such a great ceremony. I was trying to look at the program 
of the dedication that took seven good days. I mean it will blow your mind to see the arrangement and the setting. But the most interesting thing, especially that I have to mention it now that churches should operate for only one hour, Solomon prayed the longest prayer in the history of the Bible. He laid prostrate on the ground and remember he was a king who walked in the favor of God, who got something that nobody ever had has been given before him and after him, which is wisdom. But yet the Bible says he prayed the wrong prayers. Those are going to be my prayers in days to come. Because it's that Solomon understood something. He understood the power of prayer. And the ceremony took lasted for seven days. No wonder you see the next statement. Number 16. The ark. The ark of the covenant that was always that always dwelt in the tent had finally found a resting ground. Solomon's temple. When Solomon understood that he was the first man to usher in the box of God and give it a sacred place where it should be rested, the man was prostrate. No wonder now, Pastor Zachary, the man prayed prayers. That has never been prayed even by Minister Herbert in this house. And the next thing, which I love most, the glory of God ascended and sat on the building. Who never stop praying? Never stop praying. Prayer is power. Prayer attracts God. The glory of God filled the temple. And how many know when the glory of God falls, you have nothing more to say or do. Number 17. When Solomon had finished the temple of God, he also uh, constructed his own complex, the which took 13 good years. I believe Solomon was a man of excellence. He did not take a mediocre spirit. He was a man of excellence. So we see that he built his palace. It took him 13 years. Number 18, when you look at Solomon, he did not only construct the temple and his palace, he continued building. 
And may I tell our ministers, we cannot stop building because God is a builder. We've got to keep building. He built cities. Business premises. He built an entire empire. Solomon can teach us something today. Number 19. He also built an army. He was smart enough, he knew that he needed to build uh, an army to protect his kingdom. I'm sure he had a great barracks. Solomon also built a fortress. He built a double wall around the city. Remember 2020, God is looking for a man who can build a wall. God found Solomon. And Solomon built a wall around Jerusalem to protect the most expensive temple, to protect his palace, and to protect his capital city, Jerusalem. Today, God is saying, there are broken walls. God is looking for a man who can stand in the gap on behalf of his people and build the broken walls. Some of the cities actually don't even have a wall. That's why any devil can come from anywhere and jump in and jump out. God is looking for a people after the coronavirus who will rebuild like King Solomon. Build with wisdom. Build walls where no virus will ever come again. And the Bible says he also put a massive gate. A gate man who should come in and who should not. And let me say, let me also say to you believers and to us, put a gate in your heart. Don't allow anything and everything to come in and go out. Guard your heart. Let it be the gate, the entrance to come to you. Put a massive gate so that no devil comes with this whispering voices, speaking persuasive words and destructive words. We need to be seasoned with grace. So number 20, now I'm about to come to the tying up of my message. King Solomon opened doors for commercial enterprises. He did trade. He signed great treats with other nations. He signed great agreements on businesses. Church and preachers, we are looking at the spirit of excellence right here. No wonder the Bible says Israel in 
increased in wealth. In prestige. And in prosperity. Let's look at one of one of the things that made Solomon become very famous. This is a ridiculous story right here that demonstrates the wisdom of Solomon. The Bible records there were two prostitute women. Okay. Already you have an idea these are not good girls. They are not church girls. They don't sing in anybody's choir. So there were two prostitute women. And these two women who were prostitutes, they shared the same business. They, they came into a place of a dispute and argument. The story is told that these two prostitutes shared the house. Get that one. They shared the same house. These two prostitute women were pregnant, expectant at the same time. It's getting deeper. These two women gave birth with only three days difference. And now they live together and they just live by themselves. Now the Bible says they both slept. Now and uh, as they slept one of the prostitute women, she overslept and laid on her son. Her son died. She knew her son had died. She woke up at midnight. Church, watch out the midnight hour. Midnight hour is a very dangerous hour for the church people. No wonder Paul and Cyrus chose midnight hour to praise. And not to sleep. Midnight hour is when you can be ex short exchange big time. So at midnight, one of the prostitute women whose child had died, she took her dead baby and laid it on this other woman and she took the son that was alive and now they continue sleeping. The Bible says, and in the morning, the two women woke up as usual to nurse their sons. One immediately found that the, de the son was dead. The dead son wasn't hers. Argument and drama started right there. And remember, these are not church girls. These are fighters. By the nature of their business, they are fighters. So they cause drama until the drama reached the king. And the king had to have a sitting with them. They argued the dead boy is your son. 
Wakakuwa na ubishi kwamba aliyekufa ni mwanao. No no, you are stupid. The dead one is your son. La weni mpumbavu aliyekufa ndiye wako. Finally they ended up in standing before the king. Hadi wakasubaki wamesimama pale mbele ya mfalme. And now the king should judge. Basi mfalme akapaswa kuhukumu. Whose son belongs to who? Kwamba mtoto ni wanani huyu ama yule. If you are sitting in your sitting room you can always you can also now start to tell your neighbor the wisdom of Solomon. Basi kiume keti sebuleni unaweza anza kusema kwamba hekima ya Sulemani. So they stood before the king. Basi wakasimama mbele ya mfalme. This is my child. Huyu ni mwanangu. No, this is not your child. La usi the dead child is your child. Aliyekufa ni No, no, no. You slept and saw your child. La wende yule aliyalia mwanangu. The king said stop. Mfalme akasema nyamazeni. Solomon said Bring me the sword. And the sword was brought. And King Solomon says, All right. If the fight and the conflict is the baby, we are going to divide this child into two. So that each one of you go with half. The mother of the living child was moved by compassion. She told King Solomon, So King, stop. Don't split the baby into two. Please give her the child. Immediately, the wisdom of Solomon knew the mother of the child. And the child was never divided and Solomon said, Give the living child to this woman. When Israel had the wisdom of Solomon, how he judged that case, he was respected and honored. And everybody knew that the wisdom of God was upon him. As I finish, it's my sincere prayer that God will grant us the wisdom the wisdom that he had granted King Solomon. In other words, I'm praying for the Solomonic wisdom to judge what is right and good. Why am I praying this time for wisdom? Simply because Apostle Paul says something very interesting. In the book of 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Apostle Paul says, in this great house, there are many vessels, not only vessels of gold, neither silver, but also of gold, of wood and clay. Vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. But whether they are of dishonor or honor, all of them are in the same house. Let me say, and I have said it before, and I know Pastor Kaunga has preached on this also. Every time the Bible talks about a woman, Okay. The picture of a woman in the Bible is symbolic to the church. Remember that Christ is the bride's room. And the church 
is the, is the bride. What do I want to say? As we await for the bridegroom to come or the bridesmen to come, in the great house are every vessel. Some of honor, some of dishonor, but they are all together. If you'd want to question my someone, you provoke me to push it further by saying, go and read Matthew 25. Jesus spoke about the parable of the wise virgin and the foolish virgins. And from the Bible, we understand both wise and foolish were in the same house. Both wise and foolish were waiting for the same man for marriage. So in this great house are all vessels. Vessels of honor and dishonor. Remember, we are all waiting for the groom to come. Jesus said, the parable says that some had enough oil, just enough. But the wise ones had more than enough. They had kept some extra oil. And the Bible says, there was a delay in the grooms, in the bridegroom coming. Again, See the woman sleeping. Both foolish and wise, they slept. Just taking you back to, uh, to King Solomon's uh, uh, story. But at midnight, remember the short exchanging was at, at midnight hour. At midnight, there was heard a cry. The coming of the, of the bridegroom. He had arrived. The foolish began borrowing oil from the wise. In this great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. So Apostle Paul is warning us. So what do I want to say? In this great house, as we await for the bridegroom to come, be extremely careful who sleeps next to you. Alright, can I preach today? Be extremely careful because there is great likeliness that somebody will sleep on their baby and kill it instantly and will come for the baby that is living which happens to be yours. What does that symbolize? Your dreams. Your dream is your baby. Your vision is your baby. Your calling is your baby. Your ministry is your baby. Those of you in the technical department, that is your baby. Those of you in mercy ministry, that's your baby. Who is your baby? Natural 
baby. Don't allow any man to sleep and kill your baby. Nurture it. Nurture it. Whatever it is, nurture it. Remember, the bridegroom is on the way coming. I hope we shall have something to show. Solomon will not be there to judge whose baby it was. If you can avoid sleeping at midnight, avoid. If you cannot avoid falling asleep and you have to sleep, sleep in style. One eye shut, one open. Just in case somebody's gonna pull your baby. So you can say, hey, honey, I'm awake. This one is a no-go zone. People look for help from people. You know, Dr. Anna have had many letters coming in. People write to me in thousands and they say, I need to see you because God has called me. You all know. If God called you, you don't need instruction from another man. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith. When you are called, don't run to somebody to ask, so shall I give the baby this milk or which milk? Go back to the giver. Get wisdom and get counsel from there. I want to finish this by saying, watch out because Joseph's brother are still living. Joseph's brother. The killers of dreams. So watch out. So it is my prayer that in this great house as we wait for the bridegroom there shall be Solomonic wisdom for the purpose of the end time so that many dreams will not be killed. <sighs> You know, in, in actual fact, I watched something that was viral going everywhere. Somebody told me, oh, you need to see this. So somebody was telling me what to prophesy. I said, what? 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 Somebody has made themselves a prefect to tell me what to prophesy? I will not come to you. I will go to the giver. If the giver says, speak, I speak. If the giver doesn't say speak, I keep quiet. Hey, who said a prophet must always be everywhere speaking and talking and talking? Check from your Bible. When Elisha and Elijah prophesied, they went on hideout. They were not everywhere trying to solve problems. A prophet does not give opinion 
a prophet speaks from God. And a prophet can only speak when God wants them to speak. Don't tell me what to say and when to say If you are a prophet, go prophesy yourself. Mm. I know somebody saying, she's becoming harsh. That's a prophet. We need Solomonic wisdom. So that we don't kill our babies. Do you see? If you become a man pleaser. They start to give you directions and to dictate you what you need to prophesy. You will sleep on the baby and kill it. Don't say when God hasn't. Don't say anything if God hasn't said it. Speak only when God speaks. I spoke in January. It is in record. I said cities and nations will be shut. It had not happened. Ah. All right. If I can finish this thing. So Solomon was great. He spoke. But saddest. I'm so emotional now. Solomon did not finish the way he started. Solomon's greatest weakness was just like his father's weakness. Who is your father? That's for another day. He married women. Unnecessary women. He married 700 wives. What would you do as a man with 700 wives? Come on, are you out of your mind? On top, he had 300 concubines. That's a boarding school. Anyway, Pastor Anne, we're going to talk later. You're going to tell me how this can ever work. Since you have done family therapy, we're going to do a therapy here. So this is the problem of King Solomon. What he did not understand. Every strange woman that he married, he married her together with her gods. Solomon got out of God's way to build a shrine for every woman and her God. I am talking about men who build the greatest temple, Solomon's temple. And those shrines were to worship their gods. And remember that he married uh, wives among from the Egyptians. From the Moabites. From the Ammonites. From the Edomites. Women from Sidon and from Sidon and everywhere. May I pause and say, I am afraid 
Because when it comes to marriage, you don't just marry the beautiful woman you see. You marry her spirit as well. So you get a whole package. You don't just get her beauty. You also marry her spirit. Young man on the camera, I'll come back to you another day. Because it's not about the rooks. It's not about her body and her figure. It is about what is in her spirit. Because what is in her spirit will make you or break you. It will make you a better man of God or you start building shrines like King Solomon. But look at this. Before King Solomon dies, he was asked, what is your final say? What is your final word? And King Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So everybody after now that I have narrated the wisdom of Solomon, this is Solomon's final advice before he died. So he says, let us hear who us. So let us all hear together him included. He says, number one, fear God. Number two, keep his commandment for this is meant all. Nothing else. No subtraction. No addition. No times. No takeaway. Fear God. Keep his commandment. That's all. And then he says, For God will bring every work into judgment. This is a wise man. Including every sacred thing. You know our todos, our domes. Every secret. Every secret thing. And Solomon says, whether good or evil, he said, the righteous judge one day will bring it. What a way to conclude. What a way to finish. What a way to wind up his life. Meaning that it was not all wasted. Because at a given time, he woke up from a dream. I believe with all my heart. He said, fear God. Because he might have returned back to God. Today, wisdom. 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 We need wisdom in these days. We need wisdom because these are the days of wisdom. Everybody is in need. People need help. We need wisdom to know us to know who is genuine and who is not genuine. We need the Solomonic wisdom to judge the right 
and the evil. We need the Solomonic wisdom to hear what God is saying to the church in this end time. Why? There are too many voices but fear God for this is the conclusion of the whole matter. Thank you very much for allowing me to take all your time to come to your houses wherever you are sitting but it's my prayer that you will get this message that wisdom is a key that will turn and open every door for you. Wisdom is the key that will shut some doors. Wisdom is the key that will show you which way to go. Wisdom is the key that will show you about your lifestyle, what to adjust and how to adjust. I love you all and thank you so much.